Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, and with me as always is the maestro of mail-order mysteries, Eddie Guevara. What's up, Eddie? How are you, Joe? How you doing out there, buddy? Hanging in there, hanging in there, man. So it's just us two today holding down the fort. On um, we had some magic stuff to do. They disappeared and never uh, returned. So hopefully they'll be back next week for our show. So we wish them good luck in their uh, their busy, busy week. And don't forget to uh, to slow down and relax a little bit, and you know maybe hit up that cemetery for a nice little walk or such. But anyways, getting on with it, just a few things we're going to hit before we uh, get into our conversation here is MyMovieMonsters.com. Number 130 is available for pre-order. It is the Monster Memories Drive-In issue. Supposed to ship late February, so get on there, get your pre-orders. If you missed the pre-orders on there, you could always order it when it comes available, and it will be available at your local bookstore, Barnes and Nobles, or whatever else you have out there. Also, Stupid Comics Magazine. Finally, number eight has hit the shelves. Well, it's hit the internet shelves. Head over to stupidcomicsmagazine.com. That's S-T-O-O-P-I-D, comicsmagazine.com. They do have number eight. It's going to be a uh, smaller digest size, which would be is going to be really cool. So I can't wait to see that. Uh, so go over there and, and support them. All right, for all you guys out there that want more of House of the Unusual, we have our flagship site, houseoftheunusual.com. We have a free forum site on there, free to join, free to use, all that good stuff. We have tons of cool photos on there, videos. Everybody's always posting some of their their favorite uh, collectibles and, and all that. So, hey, if you, if you want to hear us talk about something on the podcast, that's the place to go over there and comment and if you even want to be a guest on the podcast and you have a something that you really like, you don't have to be a um, an expert or a professional or anything. You just got to be a fan of what you enjoy. You know, if you enjoy comic books or, or movies or toys or anything like that and you want to talk about it, drop us a line. So that's the place to do it. Houseoftheunusual.com. You could also find this on YouTube. Just search in House of the Unusual. We'll come up there. Eddie and Chuck are always putting in some great videos. So subscribe to the channel, like the videos, leave us a comment, all that good stuff. All right, that's all I got in the way of uh, some, I don't know, some advertisements, some, I don't know, some little information out there for you guys if you want to pick up some cool stuff. So right now I'm going to turn it over to the one and only Eddie Guevara and see what's new on his end. So Eddie, we're turning it over to you. What's up? Well, Joe, I'll tell you what, buddy. Uh I've been working a lot. I actually sent your way the package. It should be there probably today, or if not tomorrow, the latest. But you'll be able to start because Go Ship Times is almost available soon. Um, and of course, you will listen to Joe. You will see Joe's review on it when we will launch, and we'll figure it out how it's going to launch by next week. Uh, we'll get you more updated next week on how it's going to happen. Uh, other than that, Joe, everything's been going pretty good, man. I'm actually um, looking for some opportunities to hit the storage tomorrow. Got to consolidate more stuff, unbox more new finds that I have. Um, I don't know if you recall, Joe, about a week or two or three weeks ago, I was able to find, or let's say, let's go back about a year. I gave uh, Todd a pair of, of uh, Aqua Specs, which were made by Harold back in the 60s. And they were original, and apparently he had never had or seen that pair that I had. That's the one that comes out in the book, Mail Order Mysteries, uh, by Kirk Damaris. Uh, the the one that I used for the book, I actually gave to uh, Todd. Now, the thing that was so interesting about that is that I, you know, I, I thought I only had one pair. I'm sorry, two pairs, because uh, the one pair I had sold. So I figured once I gave that Todd, I had my last, because I sold one and had one. And then I'm looking through a couple of strange boxes, and lo and behold, another pair appears. And then my oldest daughter tells me that I had four because when she was little, she was playing, and she reminded me that I told don't play with those. 
uh, she because I had him in you know I had her in the store when I had my magic shop. My oldest daughter was about five years old, and I would always take her with me a lot of times. And she used to love you know like being in the cash register and stuff. So um, you know that goes to story. So that means that there's a lot of strange unknown stuff that I still have things I, I need to discover myself. Uh, and I've been looking, Joe, I really have been looking at a lot of people that have collections on the internet and stuff. And one thing that's really surprising me is the amount of stuff that I have, rare stuff that I don't even know about. Uh, so it's kind of becoming like a whole new treasure trove for me, like, you know, where I'm actually going through stuff and opening boxes I haven't opened in probably 15, 20 years. And when I open it up, I'm like, wow, I, I forgot I had this. You know, I forgot I had this. And, and it's amazing. It's amazing. I have a, it, it's something that I just didn't think it was going to ever happen to me where we have so much stuff. And, you know, and of course it kept growing and growing and now it's time to, I think, consolidate and maybe reduce some of the stuff, you know? So that's what I got here, Joe. Yeah. I, it's always fun going through the collection. You know, I have a whole um, attic where they call it like a third bedroom that's filled with all my, my comic stuff, my, a lot of comic figures and all that. So the whole upstairs and the whole closet and everything upstairs is mostly all my comic stuff. And then in the basement, I have a lot of my, my books, my horror stuff, other toys and all that. So it's always fun going through, you know, every once in a while and finding new things or seeing stuff that you haven't seen in years and just kind of appreciating it. And uh, there's always something to do. It's no matter how much you, you do with your collection, how much you try to organize it. There's always more and more organization that, that needs to happen. Do you find that out with your, yours as well? You know what I was going to tell you? I, I didn't actually, you know, yeah, it, it's always no matter how much you have. I mean, I see Chuck. Chuck actually recently acquired with his wife a storage facility. He got a room. I think it's 10 by 20. And he, I mean, it's working for him because he's doing what I wish I could have done. He's making it look like if it was a magic shop, you know, he's got shelves on both sides and he's going to be doing his, um, his videos from there every week and stuff. So he's setting up shop there. I, I wish I had two things he had. I wish I had his room full of stuff and I wish I had the prices he pays <laughs> because in, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, it's going to be half the price what I pay here, you know? Right. And one thing I'm going to tell you, he's setting it up really nice. He sent me a couple of photographs of like the different, items in each side he's taking and staying you know and, and just like getting there and that's what i had tried to originally do with mine which i'm still trying god willing but the problem is i'm going to tell you right now joe is that i still have three 10 by 10s and one 15 by 15 and no matter how much i look at it i don't know how in the world i can i mean i'm gonna to have to like squeeze things in but th then the problem with that is yeah i could eliminate one room eventually i think eventually that's a story or i can do a whole thing and try to get like a 10 by 30 uh which is still a 15 by 15 is is equivalent to a 10 by 25 so it doesn't look like that would work either uh, <laughs> uh i don't know i'm just trying to debate whether i should just get another larger one and put the two 10 by 10s into one that's cheaper but the, the, the thing the point i wanted to say to you is what my goal is is to try, especially in the 115 by 15, that I put the rows and rows of, uh, you know, shelves to be able to organize something in a way that everything's accessible. Because the, the problem is, like I said, I do have a big collection, but it would be nice if everything would be accessible and that I can just walk around and say this, this, and that. You know what I'm saying? That's the only problem that I'm having, that I don't have accessibility because I'm overcrowded with too many things. And well, hopefully tomorrow, Thursday, I'm going to make a dent into that because I'm going to start trying to get rid of furniture I have, like, you know, say an office chair that I've had for years. Um, you know, it's kind of wide. If I get rid of all that, it, it'll give me a lot of open space. You know, there's a white desk. I wish you were here, Joe. I give it to you. <laughs> it's those computer desks that you stand up. No, oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. They go up and down, you know, you can put them higher or lower, but it's about six foot by, I don't know, two feet, three feet wide. The problem with that table is it's nice. And, and you know what? I filled a lot of stuff on top of it. I put it in the toy storage. That's where all the toys are 
up in the, in the wall and all that stuff. The only problem with that particular table, though, is that when you walk in, it just cuts up that much as you're walking into the room. So I think it's going to go out in the in the gutter, and I'm just going to have to, because it will get, free up, I think, more space to walk in. But it's all a matter of organizing, man. You got to spend there a month or two just like every day, you know, putting a piece here, piece there. You know what I'm saying? Because it would be quite crazy to try to move to a 10 by 30 or something so that it's longer back. Uh, because I would have to this. Tw- so far, I got 21 bookshelves loaded. That would take me at least two days just to, you know, bookshelf by bookshelf nonstop. Unless you want to come up here, Joe. Maybe you can help me out. What do you think? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to come up in and see the collection and take a few items. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what's funny when you're saying that, Joe, that I, out over in my church, I have a, a guy, right? He's about 36, I think. And I don't know. Oh, yeah, I was giving him a 3D printer that I had. And he came over to pick it up. So he literally spent almost three hours there. And he asked me, he goes, do you mind if I just look and... And he kept looking and looking, and well, he was like a little kid in a, <laughs> the whole three hours. He was like, I don't know if I want to leave yet. <laughs> it was kind of funny, you know? Cause yeah, they- that's, a, you know, I, it's kind of like even uh, when you go to conventions and all that, you're really seeing a lot of people's collections on display that they're selling. You know, a lot of that stuff is, is stuff that they grew up collecting or that they've bought over the years. So I've always enjoyed you know, when you go to collections, you see the different stuff that people have and it's out there on display and you get to, to see how they've, they've kept it over the years, how much they've, they've priced it for, you know, is it in good condition, bad condition? So that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about, you know, going to especially conventions because you do get the chance to see people's collections up close and personal rather than like on a social media site or, or through YouTube or something like that. You know, uh, there is a guy. Um, it's a magic shop. I don't want to really give any information where it's located or anything. Because apparently uh, the guy passed away about two or three years ago. Now, the guy's very famous in the town. He was a professional magician, whatever. And he had a magic shop. One of our uh, buddies, um, which, uh, you know, deal with us here, uh, actually knows and used to go to the magic shop and the thing he told me about the shop is that um it was so like disorganized like you went in there and everything was all over the place like the guy would have a box and throw more things and more things on top of it like that so you know who the hell knows what treasures are in there and apparently the family took over and and they still haven't even opened it in months so the thing i think is is basically there sitting and i'm trying to see if i can somehow I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing, but to get a hold of it, because it would be nice to be able to rummage through it and see what you could find, the treasures you could find. Because, I mean, when you have a, who knows, maybe my plans are there. You know what I'm saying? Um, A lot of places, especially in New York and New Jersey, would have old magic shops. And, you know, who knows what the heck, like a good example. And and this is kind of, I don't even know how to go, what to make of this, because I have no idea exactly, but. Jack, uh, um, the guy who used to own the Fun House. No, not the Fun Factory. Fun Factory, you know, I got that. I, I turned that into the House of the Unusual. I'm talking about the Fun House. That was the one that used to carry the the money. Or anytime you see an ad in comic books that had the $1 million, it says one, $1 million in free gold, and it had a money bag. And you would send out and get a free catalog from the Fun House. When that gentleman passed away about 15, 20 years ago, his wife knew nothing, you know, what to do. So I don't really know what happened to his collection because she doesn't know either. So I'm, I'm wondering now, this guy that had a mail order company that he sold a lot of the stuff that I grew up with, you know, the seven foot Frankenstein, stuff like that. And he had it in his fun house catalogs. And I'm saying to myself, what in the world happened with all that stuff? And it's so funny that the wife does not know. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I didn't want to, like, bother her and say, what do you mean you don't know? You know, but it, it was kind of crazy because she doesn't know anything what happened. She's older. She's like 80, you know. So the the whole thing is that, yeah, you have a lot of those treasures, man. And, Joe, let's be honest. 
wouldn't you love to go to a store that used to sell Aurora Monsters in the 70s and hasn't been opened in 20, 30 years? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be cool to find any type of store like that. The problem just, is to see what they had. Gosh, there was, there would probably be so many cool stuff. Some monster kits, uh, comic books, magazines, books. Gosh, yeah, that would be. I, unfortunately, I don't know of any around where I'm at, but yeah, that would be cool. Well, you know what's crazy about what you just said? The problem about it's not just that it's cool. A lot of times it's like it happened in this one that I told you. The guy or the owner or whoever it is sells the stuff for the price that he had 20 years ago. Like, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times you go, there is one shop by my house. And I, I think I've, I've sent you stuff from there, Joe, I think. And, and I think you've seen it. That it's been in business since 1971. It's still in business today. But they have a whole section in there that's filled with novelties and jokes. And they've been there from the 80s. And the guy still has the prizes from the 80s. So when you go buy their, uh, say, uh, electric shocking book, for example, uh, today they're impossible to get. They go for a hundred and some dollars on eBay. You might, if he had one right there, you'd probably get it for ten dollars. You know. And the reason I'm saying that is because I did. <laughs> I bought things in there that were crazy. I mean, they had a thing there called uh, from Franco America. It's called the Vampire Repellent. In reality, what it was is a, a stink bomb. But inside, uh, it kind of, because anybody who's familiar with the stink bomb and are familiar with the perfume called Morning Breeze, which in reality is just the same stink bomb, but in a little perfume vial, what the uh, vampire repellent was is, is the same thing. It was a spray bottle, but it had the stink bomb inside. Um, and you would spray it. But these bottles were so old. I mean, the box was immaculate, like right out of the shelf. But the bottles were sold inside that the perfume had evaporated. Think of that. That that's how old those things are. And I came across, and it was so funny because they were selling them for I think uh, four ninety five each. And I told the owner, "Hey, uh, you got about six or seven here, but they're all uh, half gone. How much you want?" He says, "Oh, you want them? Have them." He gave them to me for free. Oh, all, nice. All seven or eight of them, whatever it was. And I figure I'm going to take it because all you got to do is you can actually refill it with a stink bomb. You can feel, you know, they're, they're in great condition. And, and you can actually just, you know, just put the, I mean, I don't know. Joe, can I send them to you? And, and what year were those from? Uh, the early 80s, late okay. 70s, early 80s. I got a question. If I send them to you, can you put the uh, stink bump into them? I don't want to get my house smelly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'll make sure to do it right around my wife so she, she can help with it. <laughs> now send it over to Chuck and Sherry. They could do it. <laughs> One I remember that you know one of the things is the stink bombs. I used to sell them so much, and I remember in my magic shop. I had people complaining, uh, the the people businesses next door and stuff, that the kids were going around and tossing them all over the place. You know, and uh, yeah, those used to. I remember them back in the the eighties and early nineties. Those used to be huge. People would break those because you know they were the ones that were the uh, kind of glass capsules. So people would break those. They would be all over the place. Skate, skating rings, the mall, sporting events inside. They, you'd have stink bombs going off all the time. Yeah, that was so funny. I remember they did it one time. Now if kids did that, they'd probably be thrown in jail for it. Oh, yeah, of course. Definitely. <laughs> but I remember my class, and I don't know if it was the, not the gym class. I think it was my science biology class. Somebody threw one on the floor. And we had to actually walk out of the room for a couple of minutes. It was kind of funny, though. Yeah, I remember I, kids doing them in school, too, school and in church. They're all over the place. They were everywhere. That that was funny. They did it one time, uh, Joe, in a, in a crowded uh, New York City subway. <laughs> 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 and you know what's so funny about that? You can't leave the, <laughs> you can't leave the train once it's moving, you know? And everybody's standing next to each other like there's no space to move. And they, oh, that would they, be horrible. Oh, my gosh. You have to, like, whiff that for, like, 20 minutes. Just absorb the entire smell, you know? But but you know what, Joe? Um, talking about stuff like that, um, I did a review recently, uh, and you know what I'm talking about, though, because I, I believe uh, uh, Sky sent you one as well from Stupid Comics. Did you see what a, a marvelous job he did in that flyer? It's oh, a- yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was the um, the Blue Ghost. 
Was That's it the blue, right. Yeah, the Blue Ghost. Did you open up your Blue Ghost? Yeah, I tried it out on on the wife, and she uh, couldn't get the she couldn't capture the ghost. <laughs> really, uh, I haven't opened mine actually, but the thing is, I liked it so much that I actually had to send me twenty of them. <laughs> I mean, twenty packets completely. Uh, they're they're beautiful, man. They're um, I mean, to me, honestly, he killed it with that because even the artwork on the it's so retro. It's like the to me, it reminds me of when I was a kid. It, it, I think he captured that better than I ever could. Um, you know, some, you know, Joe, this is very important. A lot of times people say, well, I'm a graphic artist. And I've said this many times. Oh, I'm a writer. Well, unless you know how to capture mail order, you're not good for the house of the unusual. And what I mean by that is that, like Sky, for example, Sky can do, even though, uh, you know, I'm not, I forgot his actual age, but. He can do everything and capture the 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 time period 100%. And you could see it with that blue ghost he has. And most important, the flyer he made with the uh, the individual characters in the flyer, uh, the way the cartoons are portrayed, you know. But the best part about it is, uh, you know, he captured that 100%. Same thing with Cap Camaraj in, in uh, you know, down in California. He knows how to capture the the thing perfectly, and and that's that's a gift, especially when you deal with mail order novelties and stuff, because that's what either will make or break you. And Joe, one thing I wanted to tell you, and I think we we said that last week, is that, and this is very important, there is a big growing recently a big growing trend of mail order companies bursting all over the place. And when I'm saying, I'm talking about magic shops and stuff. Uh, if you go on on eBay, I think eBay has about 40-something or 50 different magic shops. One is called the Fawn Shop, the, you know, everything. And they're selling a lot of those novelties. And, and I forget who it was, asked me, uh, or maybe it was Craig Tobig, the uh, guy from Johnson Smith, uh, that he said to me, "Is there, are they still prevalent? And I'm like, yeah, there's a big surge lately of novelties again. Have you noticed that, Joe, on your side? No, I haven't noticed it on, on my side, you know, because mostly if I'm looking at stuff online, it's it's a lot with, you know, classic horror or sci-fi or anything like that. But I haven't, you know, I, I wouldn't be on, I guess, those sites or, or forums or anything to to talk about mail order. But what have you seen in the realms of mail order that's making you think that it's, it's becoming, you know, a lot bigger? Cause, and I know everything goes in cycles, you know, same with sports cards comic books you know records are going through their cycle now they're coming big uh vhs tapes are coming around they're becoming big now so everything goes in cycles so what you're you're telling me it looks like mail order starting to to come back around but what makes you think that it's or what's what's out there that's showing you that mail order is becoming more prevalent in in um in people's you know i guess everyday life or online life well, I started doing a research on my little brother, not my little, my older brother, should I say, in Europe uh, from Grand Illusions. <laughs> I always say my brother because he's actually like me, except he's probably 20 years older than me. But um, the gentleman has been collecting for years and years, and he has a channel that has millions of subscribers, actually. You know, it's not a small channel. He has a lot of people. And one of the things that I noticed is as I was looking through his channel, uh, somebody sent me an invite from one of the Facebook forums. Uh, I forgot it. it was called Classical Magic or something like that in Europe. And when I became, uh, I said, yes, I took the invite. I, I became a member. And then I, I got flooded by different uh, people that had different groups of both universal monsters and, you know, and magic. And the thing that impressed me the most is the amount of magic uh, that was involved in Europe. And then I kind of did a search and I'm like, you know, every time I heard, and this has been a very common thing that I've heard from, not just once, I've heard it about three or four times throughout the years that people say, hey, you know, I wish we lived in the United States because you, you guys had all the cool stuff. Now, I think what they're saying with that is, and they mean it, is the fact that I don't know if Europe, they ever saw like the seven foot Frankenstein or Boney the Skeleton or the submarine. I, I think those were like the United States items that probably made mail order more famous here than there because of the classics, you know, that we had 
Uh, they didn't have the fun stuff, meaning that stuff. But they did have a company called Elliston, I think it is, which is similar to Johnson Smith, but, but it was big in Europe and sold all the magic and novelties like jokes and stuff. And when I did the search, I was shocked how many magic shops and joke shops are in Europe right now. If you go to the UK, I mean, there's one particular uh, business in the UK, Joe, their window is packed with jokes. Like their windows got to be like, let's say 40 feet wide by 20 feet high. And it's packed with magic and jokes on it. Like a t you look at it, the guy's standing by the doorway and you're like, what? And I was shocked because it looks like it's, it's big over there. Now, the other thing that made me realize is on eBay, again, eBay, Amazon has one. There's one called the Joke Shop. There's one called the Fun uh, Palace. There's, there's quite a few. And one of the things that shocked me is because, you know, and you know, because you sell on eBay, Joe, you know what I'm talking about. When you have a product and you have more than one, it says how many units sold. Well, we're talking about this guy. When I looked at his uh, Joy Buzzer thing, right? It said, I think if I remember, 176 pieces sold or units. Um, then you went to the shocking pen, 240, <laughs> you know? And that's shocking, Joe, because you wouldn't think. And now this guy has, I believe, 32,000 feedbacks. So he's, oh, I mean, wow. it's selling. It's it, He's actually probably making a living off that 100%. And, and now... Let me let me give you a quick uh, a quick rundown here, Joe. Back in the seventies and eighties, before excuse me, before eBay or the internet, well, when you had an item, and this is something we discussed in previous shows, is when you had an item, you would run an ad. Now, in popular science, the average cost was about fifteen to sixteen dollars a word. If you use magazines like um, you know Cosmopolitan or things like that, not Cosmopolitan because you wouldn't run anything there unless you were selling stuff for women. But, uh, but yeah, Better Homes and Garden with an 8 million circulation, they used to cost uh, $49.17 a word. And and the minimum was like 12 words. So you had to run a five, six, seven hundred dollar ad or in popular science, I would run an ad and it usually would run back to around $175 for a 10 word classified. And the thing with it is when you put an ad, either that or in comic books, it would take three months. Like when me and Craig Taubeck, I mean, I'm sorry, me and Lou Wise ran the Fun Factory ad back in um, in the day in 1993. We ran it for the January issue that or actually was the, the issue that went on sale January, which was actually the December issue. And we had to run the ad like late August. Uh, no later, like August 22nd. Then we had to wait till January for the ad to come out. And then that's when the orders start pouring in a week or two later. Um, it took a long time. So most people couldn't afford to go ahead and start doing a mail order business because you needed basically a couple of thousand dollars up front, run enough ads over time so that you could start making money and break even. And, that's, and then you start making money six, seven months after the initial investment. Today, with the dawning of the internet, where you can run free ads and forums, you can go to Universal Monster Army and say, I'm selling something. You can go on Facebook Live. You can do so many things. If you set up any type of shop today, you're in business within 24 hours. Well, sometimes within an hour, you'll list an item and sell it right on the spot. So that opened up the avenue for hundreds of people that had ideas or even people my age or younger that say, Hey, we're going to sell novelties. I love jokes. I love tricks. I love magic. And they've set up their own shop and believe it or not, most of them are successful, which is bizarre. Like this one particular guy that I haven't seen him. I forgot the name of his shop, but he, um, he was one of like the pioneers of the novelty business. When I mean pioneer, not pioneer in, in me, you know, from the seventies, but, when eBay was around, this this gentleman, I don't know how old he is either, he would run ads. But I, I thought it was kind of funny, though, because when you looked at his feedback, he had like, let's say, uh, 3,000 or 4,000 feedbacks. And he'll have like a 94 point something percent uh, feedback, right? And when you would look at it, it would have like 20, 30 negatives. And it was kind of funny, though, because... His negatives were like, hey, I got this joy buzzer. It didn't work. What a piece of junk, you know? 
<laughs> and his response was, hey, buddy, look, read the thing. You know, like he was pretty rough in his response. I used to actually laugh at the way how mad he would get with the people and respond to them, you know. Um, I guess I, I guess he's still in business. I don't know. But he, he was one of the first. And kind of by looking at that, Joe, I, I looked at it and I said to myself, you know what? The only thing I don't really like about that, uh, you know, like doing or selling novelties on eBay was that anybody who buys a, an electric shocking pan, especially if you get the ones made in China and stuff like that, unless, you know, like back in the day in the 70s, uh, the wholesale price of a shocking pen was $10.50. Check that out. So you had to sell them for like $24.95. They were very expensive. And, but the difference was, the shocking lighter was probably the only one of the shocking devices that was worth anything because the shocking lighter, the deluxe shocking lighter that was sold by Loftus Novelties, you would get it, you drop it two or three times and you'd be okay. It will still work. The book, you drop the book one time, it will get dings all over the cover, it had, especially the Franco-American novelty one. Uh, there was two titles. One, I think, was The World's Best Jokes, and the other one, Nude, uh, something about nude or love and marriage. You know, I had like two or three, I think it was three titles, actually. I mean, I had them somewhere, but the point is, Joe, you opened that book, pop, you dropped it, and that was it. It stopped working. The second time around, you're lucky. Maybe sometimes it would, sometimes it wouldn't. The pen, the pen would shock you, and it would really not work, and it was super thick. And then, of course... They did make, uh, I think, um, one of the things I'm going to tell, uh, say about Loftus Novelties is Loftus Novelties, they redid the Joy Buzzer where when you wound it up, the mechanism would not break. So the Joy Buzzer Loftus Novelty sells is actually a phenomenal Joy Buzzer with many, many hours of use. Uh, I give them a, a 10 star on the Joy Buzzer because it's phenomenal. And with the electric shocking lighter that they make, it's great, including a pen. They actually have a small silver pen. Um, it works really good. And they, a lot of times I, I see those pens being sold in, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is the name? When you go into the malls, there's there's a store there that sells a lot of like novelties and stuff. Oh, like Spencer's? Yeah, yeah, Spencer's, that's correct. Spencer sells it. And you know what? They're really good. They work fabulous. Uh, they'll cost you, I don't know, eight, ten dollars, whatever. But the whole thing I'm trying to say is they're made better. Um, so my thought was if you're going to sell on eBay an item that you know, because like I said, very few joke items, except some of the classics that were well done, are very cheap. And it's, it's more like what sells the item is the idea behind the advertisement for it. The pay, you know, the, the, the way they draw the character. Like, for example, you'll look, hey, squirting toilet. You think it's fabulous. Wow, look at that. It's going to squirt somebody in the butt. But in reality, you know, I don't think too many people have been successful with the squirting toilet because it, when you attach it to your bowl and anybody's going to sit there, it's going to see a little thing coming out of the thing, you know, the top. So it's not really a great joke. You know what I mean? Right. But the fact when you advertised it was fantastic. That's just like one time they had a, a joke that came out. I don't, I don't know how well that would do today, but it was called by... Um, it was produced by a company called Amscam. Amscam does all that A-M-S-C-A-M, something like that. They, they do all the Halloween products, and they still, I think they're still around. So Amscam used to, came out with in the 80s with a, a thing called the Grab-It Cushion. And it's supposed to be a cushion. You you put it on a chair. When somebody sits, a hand would pop between their legs. And, and you know, you would say, hey, that's what a joke. You know, I remember I fell for that right away. And when I actually ordered a couple from the factory, um, I was surprised what it really was, was a, a, a cushion that you inflated. And inside the cushion and one side had a rubber glove. I'm talking about the gloves that you do dishes with. And it was a big yellow or blue glove, whatever it was. And the cushion came like in light, you know, a really fluorescent blue or red, which anybody that saw it would not sit on it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, when you sat on the cushion, half the time, the glove would come out, but it wouldn't do anything. It would just get stuck underneath your legs. It was, it, it's not like they, because when you look at the cartoon, it's showing, a, I think it's a guy sitting down, or no, a lady or something, and then she's screaming up in the air and the hand is coming out, you know, so 
You thought, what a joke. That's super funny. It was a piece of garbage. It didn't actually, I, I don't even think it even made it to the shelves. Um, it sold a few times and that was it. So that's the point I'm trying to say. So my fear, and the reason I told this whole story about you know how good and, and bad novelties were is that my fear was that if on eBay, like when I saw this guy where he had a 94% feedback rating, you know, you're like, wait a minute, you know, if I want to have 100%, you can't do it selling products that are pieces of junk, you know? Um, so because of that, I kind of was hesitant to do it and I, I actually didn't. But what really was throwing my back is that this guy that I told you about, this one company that he said he's got like 200 sold, 100 of this, of Units, well, he's got 100% out of 32,000 feedbacks. I don't know how in the world you accomplish that, but he's got it. And he, for him, it's thriving. So I guess, and I looked at it, it doesn't say much, but I, I guess he's cheap enough or whatever it is that people that are buying are not really giving him a negative feedback. And and I found that very, very interesting. And like I said, it wasn't just him. It was this, this, this. I counted about 46 uh, companies. Uh, one is called the Court Jester, which I believe the Court Jester, believe it or not, was uh, a mail order company back in the 80s. So I, I think they just assumed their their life over to eBay. But um, they have them in, um, if you put up, you know, jokes in, in Amazon, a hundred of them pop out. If you put Joy Buzzer, so they're, they're, they're definitely selling. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, you know, you only had magazines and comic books where you could buy that stuff. Some people were lucky. Some people like Chuck had novelty shops around their house that would sell SS Adams products and stuff. But I got to be honest with you, where I lived in New York, even in New Jersey here, I don't think SS Adams came into Toys R Us until like the pretty late 80s or, or mid 90s that they had a rack inside Toys R Us that sold novelties. Uh, to this very day, how many shops have you entered, Joe, that actually sells x-ray glasses? Even, you know, toy stores. That, yes. that I have seen none. You see what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yet everybody, so there, there's certain things that were still only available in mail order. And that's something that threw me back. And But then again, you know, probably the success of the glasses wouldn't have happened if it was sold in stores because kids would know what it does. And I guess that the the reason they were so successful by keeping it strictly mail order is that it let you imagine what it would do. And you really didn't know until you send your money for them, you know? But there's certain products that, like I say, even to this day, yeah, this shop sells the x-ray glasses, but that's the only one that I know of. Uh, the one that I told has been in business in 1971. They're in the Union City area. But um, I was talking to Dr. Saab the other day, and we were on the phone for about two hours about, you know, how there's so many shops out there. We were talking because he was asking how prevalent the right thing, uh, the mail order is. And that's where I started after I got off with him. I started doing some research. And, you know, I'm very surprised. Now, when I say mail order, of course, mail order is anything you make a place an order for and it gets delivered to you by the mail. That's basically the standard thing of what it is. Uh, most people are used to saying when you say mail order, they're thinking about the ads from the comic books. But mail order is, is what Amazon does. And, you know, that's bigger today than ever before. But um, other than that, Joe, I wanted to, you know, not changing the subject now, but um, we're going to change a little bit now. Um, with the monster movies and stuff like that, Joe, I, I've, I've come across the other day somebody in my job was moving out and they gave the security officer about 20 something video uh, DVDs. And they wow. are all of, you know, like the blob, the vampire, you know, all this stuff. They're like old films. <laughs> he gave them to me. They're pretty nice, man. I, I thought about you when I got them. Um, they're, they're really good. They're, they're a lot of the movies that we're always watching and stuff. But one question I wanted to ask you, did you ever come across a copy of the airplane? <clears throat> Not airplane, the movie we were talked about, remember? What was it, the, the flight that disappeared or the flight gone missing? Uh, yeah, I, no, I never came across a copy of it. I don't know if, I think it's public domain, so I don't believe anybody's ever put a DVD out for it or even a, a VHS that I know of. Which is really odd, you know, that, that was such a good movie, man. I really enjoyed it. It, it wasn't bad at all. 
In fact, that's the first movie I think we all agreed that was good, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a good movie. And, yeah, I, I've never seen it. I, I don't even think I've ever seen it referenced in a, a magazine or a book or anything like that. That's how kind of obscure it is, I guess. And yet it's it's a fabulous movie. Now, let me ask you a question, Joe. When you say magazines and stuff, I've come across one thing in my storage and perhaps you can elaborate a little bit on this because listeners, every time you actually mention that, a lot of people are like, you know, tuned into it. But I've come across about three or four books. And they, you know, and this is kind of funny to say because it has a swampy smell, you know. But and when I say like a swamp type, you know, that kind of like moisture in it. But at the same time, it smelled good. You, you follow what I'm trying to say? Like, it's perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not the smell that you go like, oh, my gosh, this moldy smell. I got to get rid of it. It had a smell that was just enough that I liked it. And I, I was like, I, my wife goes, that's disgusting. I go, honey, if you smell it, it smells like perfect. It reminds me of the stuff, you know, from that time. Um, elaborate a little bit on that, man, how you can get rid of that. Because you're experienced in that, Joe. On what on getting rid of the um like the moldy smell? Yeah, like I mean, what's your opinion on that, and how can you store? Uh, I mean, I I told you the experience I had. I had a closet then right across my closet in my old apartment. Um, I had like a I don't know five hundred comic books on the top shelf, and I I had them all boarded, and I had them with the plastic, and I kind of was shocked. Where and, and now here's the funny thing though. The, it was about two feet to the left. So when you went down the hallway, the closet would come. Then you walk another two feet and the bathroom would be on the right hand side. One of the bathrooms. Now, what really blew me away, Joe, is the fact that the bathroom. You know, you take a shower, hot shower, whatever. Anyway, the closet door is closed and everything. And I was shocked to see that there were about three or four or five comics that actually had moisture inside the plastic. And I, it blew me away. I took them all out of there, and I'm like, wow, what the heck? What do you think caused that? And is is it a good way to keep your comic books like that, Joe? Well, I, I mean, I don't know what could have caused it. There could be, you know, a lot of different issues with the humidity in the house. But, you know, you always want to keep your, you know, especially your comics in, in a bagged and board uh, mostly in a room that's low humidity, that's a little bit cooler. You know, some people keep them in the basement. You know, usually basements are warmer with, you know, a lot of humidity. A uh, lot of, like, moisture will come in through the foundation block. So you want to stay kind of away from the basement unless you have a good waterproof basement and a good um, dehumidifier down there. As for, like, taking out the kind of like that moldy smell from books or comic books you could lay them open in front of a dehumidifier they'll that'll pull some of the the moldy smell out you won't get all of it out but you will get some you'll constantly have to you know turn the pages and all that so it's a lengthy process or you could also put it in a um kind of like an airtight tupperware bin with some baking soda and that's the same thing you have to constantly you know turn the pages you know, not every page, you know, every couple of pages, but it won't fully take the the smell out, but it'll take definitely a good portion of it out. Yeah, that's a little more hard to do, I think, than anything. When you say baking soda, uh, you got to put baking soda on the pages or? No, you just, just a. Um, an just, open box. You know, yeah, oh, an open box, like, you know, how people used to do in their refrigerator. Yeah, just keep the open box in there and, you know, put the comic book inside there make sure it's airtight and just let it sit you know you could also you know do a combination of that with the dehumidifier like i said it won't take everything out but you know because I, I don't really know of any process that can 100 percent take it out but it'll take a good portion of the uh that moldy smell out a good portion of it i see um joe uh you have any ideas in your side concerning any movies you like to tell our viewers Concern, you know, any any upcoming films that you like us to watch? You know, I haven't really had the the chance to um to really watch or do anything over the last couple of weeks. I've had a lot uh going on and 
trying to do some some different things and all that and um try I'm, I'm doing a class now studying for a uh a tobacconist so i could get a certified retail tobacconist so that's been taking up a lot of my time i haven't been able to really do too much movie watching sometimes i'll put it on in the background while i might be reading or looking over a magazine or something but as for movies i think the last one i watched was the tingler which was about three or four weeks ago i know we talked about and you know i I was kind of disappointed with that movie but i may (laughs) give it another chance you know the reason i asked you that because you know what movie i watched yesterday the old dark house that's why i was telling oh really <laughs> that's that always a good one to watch yeah it was kind of way that you know what i i just like what i like about that movie one it has uh obviously boris Karloff in it but the thing about the movie is that it's fun one is in the public domain so anybody can just take the dark movie and re, you know reproduce their copy and sell it whatever but i i just like the fact uh the part where the lady's at the door and the hand is coming by the side and I think I told the story to you one time, and I think I don't know if I said it in one of the podcasts, but I got um, I was on Etsy one time, and a lady emailed me because she saw that I was selling the giant size poster, and she emailed me and she said, "Can you see if you can blow up this photograph for me?" So I blew up that photograph with the with the, the hand behind. I think I blew it up to like forty by sixty. It was huge. Jeez. Oh, let me tell you, um, no kidding. When I saw it, I, I actually said, wow, I want one. And I actually made a copy for myself. Joe, when you have that, you know, you look at it in a big giant frame, it's really, it throws you back like, wow, that looks nice, you know? And um, that's what I like about that movie, The Old Dark House. And, and overall, even even the, the setting for the house, it looks nice. It's got, if you look at some of the posters, the artwork is really good on it, you know? That's that's why I brought it up because I, I was watching. I also yesterday watched um, U.S. Marshals. I didn't realize how good that movie was. I I, I don't think I watched it before with uh, uh, Wesley Snipes and um, what's this guy that did Man in Black? That he plays uh, uh, Will Smith. No, not Will Smith. The other guy, Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones is the marshal. And Wesley Snipes is like a, a marshal, supposedly the win rogue. But, you know, they thought he had committed. They actually set him up. And it was, let me tell you, the movie was long. <clears throat> Excuse me, the movie was long. But I got to tell you, though, it was really good, man. I actually stayed. And then right after that, but I needed to get a couple hours to sleep before I went back to work. Um, True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger was starting. And that's another really good film. You know, one thing I, I got to tell you about when you're watching films and stuff, Arnold, you know, his acts, but Arnold did some pretty good films, man. Because, I mean, Predator was good. I think the only film of Arnold that I didn't kind of like is the one that he did recently that he's a sheriff. He's, like, really old. He's, like, 80-something years old, the thing. I don't think I, I, no, I haven't seen that one. That's the one that he did about five or six years ago, and he's... uh. He's like a sheriff in town, but they kind of push him around a little bit. You know, it's it wasn't him. I mean, it's not the film that I'm... It's one of his, you know, last films he's done. Because uh, you know, we got to admit, though, he's super old right now, you know? Oh, yeah. But um, the last film I think he was on that you could say that he was okay in was uh, The Expendables. But, you know, prior to that, though, you got to admit, though, in the 80s and stuff, he did a lot of good films. Uh, Total Recall... Uh, which is that? I don't know if that's Total Recall, the one that he uh, they make a another of him, like they make a, a duplicate of him. What do they call that? A clone of him. Do you remember that movie? A clone Where, of him. Yeah, huh? yeah, no. he's, he's going home to see his wife and, and daughter, and somehow they clone him, and he he has to try to you know come back. It's a good film. It's a really. Was it Total Recall? No, I don't know if it's Total Recall or what it is. But anyway, I forgot the name. But I, I tell you, though, U.S. Marshals was really good. And then right after that, I only had so much time. And then, obviously, I went to work. And guess what? I, that's when I saw The Old Dark House. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good movie to watch. Yeah, but I, but I got to tell you, that plane, that airplane one, I'm going to try to see if I can get a copy and, and make it burn my own CD or something on a DVD because... 
I mean, that that's a good film. I'm very surprised that that film has not really been more... What was it called? The Flight That Disappeared or the... You know, I was trying to think of it. I, I can't remember if it was... Let me see if I could maybe find it. The Flight That Disappeared. Yeah, it was kind of like... Uh, I forgot the... Uh, but, yeah, uh, the flight that the flight that disappeared from 1961. The flight that disappeared. Yeah, that, that you know, like I said, that's a. I mean, you liked it, Sherry liked it, Chuck liked it, I liked it, and and it was kind of funny because everybody that watched it, you, we sometimes, you know, sometimes you know, you'll say this movie's good and I won't like it, and and for some reason, you and my friend Jim tend to gravitate to the same likes. Me and Chuck gravitate to our likes. Because every time you say something, Jim follows through on you. And I'm, I'm like, why do you guys have that taste? You know, because <laughs> I remember, remember that me and, and Chuck thought the great, the day the earth stood still was like the best film ever. And you picked, I think, the, the Forbidden Planet or something like that. Um, do you remember that when we had that discussion of the five best films? I, I do remember the discussion. I can't remember what film I had down there, though. I, I know you, you, your number one was definitely not the same as me and Chuck. You no, and... it was different. I, I can't remember what it was. I, it, were we doing the sci, uh, like a sci-fi list or, or an all-time list? Well, you know, no, I think we were doing a sci-fi best list or something like that. But you know what? A good topic would be for next week, Joe, would be, I, I, I mean, I... I I don't know if next week or the following week, which is the best time for you, depending how busy you'll be. But it would be a good idea to pick the five most obscure movies that are good. They probably never made it, uh, but that they're like super good. Do you think that'll be a good topic? Yeah, we could definitely do that next week. And <laughs> yeah. we'll, hopefully we'll have Chuck and Sherry back on next week and they could discuss some of those movies too. Because there's, I tell you what, there's some really obscure ones out there that are, that are good. And I, I know that there's some that I've seen over the decades. I, that I probably seen one time and I, I can't remember anymore, but yeah, that, that'll be something good to dig into and try to um, try to research and remember some of those older movies. Well, we should do that next week. And I'll tell you one of the things is like, again, the flight that disappear would be one of them. That's a, that's a movie. Like you said, I've never seen it being reviewed. I, and look, the movie is like really good. Like you can watch it once, two or three times, and you're okay with it. Um, yeah, you know, I was just looking online. Now, there's, I'm not seeing anywhere that is selling it. Yeah, and it did come out in 1961. By, um, it was produced through Harvard Film Corporation and distributed by United Artists. So, but it's, I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's public domain and. You know, it, it is a obscure type movie, so you know no one's really put it on DVD or that I could that I could find or that I know of. And and you know the question again comes back when it's something like that and they don't put it on DVD. I wonder how the hell they got that perfect copy that we saw on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. Someone <laughs> had to had someone had to have had it from somewhere. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying because that that looks. I mean, that's a really good copy. Like when you're watching, it feels like it's one of those uh, remastered uh, black and whites. Um, you know, and, and talking about that, you know, Joe, my book, I, I don't know what to think about it. I don't know what to think about the uh, London After Midnight book that I ordered. Um, it's saying it's going to come between the 28th, before it was between the 15th and 22nd of February. Now it's giving me the date between February 28th and March 10. Um, what are you beginning? What are you feeling? Yeah, I would, I would definitely <clears throat> get a hold of them and see what's going on. Well, I, I can't. And last night I was going to cancel and get a refund. And it tells me I'm not eligible yet until the date expires. Oh, uh, okay. Date of, but here's my question, though. I'm not eligible. I was going to say, well, you guys changed the date on me. How the heck is that even possible, you know? Yeah. But um, but then one thing that I, I don't understand, though, is because it does say the the person shipped it. But now I don't understand if that's just because they printed a shipping label because it doesn't say much information. Now, the book is 464 pages, so it's probably pretty big. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to get it. I would really like to get it, but I'm beginning to feel that 
it's on the way of me trying to get the robot plants. It's not going my way, you know? <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that might be a loss for for a little while trying to, to get that book. Hopefully, because I, I definitely want my copy. I want to copy it, so I would love to uh, love to see the book, and especially you know, like we talked about it last two podcasts, I touched a little bit on it, the different steel frames in it. So hopefully, eventually, it'll be up for for pre order, but or will be up to to ship. You know, you were able to order it, so. Hopefully they can find someone to fix out the uh, the binding issues they had there with the the company they were using and get it back out. All right, Joe, I have an important question for you, and I want you to give me your heart's the true feeling on this. What would you do right now? What would be your next plan of action if you were searching for the robot plans today? After all the search and years that I've gone and I've gone, what would be your plan of action? Say that you were starting a new search. What would you do to find it? Hmm, I, I don't know. You know, I'd maybe try to uh, you know, put it out there on like a maybe a news channel or something. I, I don't know. Is it is that even possible to do is to get well, on a news channel and say, hey, you know, I've been searching for this for years. There's none known to exist. I don't know if that would be possible for a news channel, but I know I put it out in Universal Monster Army. I put it out. There's a, a company called Roba Hut or something like that. That not a company. Some guy who's a big fanatic of robots. He's probably got uh, a huge store, and he's got a life-size Robbie, life-size B9, which is the Lost in Space robot. He's got a Gort from the day the Earth, all life-size models, and he's got like five thousand robots and oh, wow. he and he and he goes under the robot hut whatever he doesn't know he sent me one time he goes maybe it's this one he sent me the same one i have um in fact this guy has so much rare stuff that he had one of the original houdini uh newspapers that had you know the robot that we try to give away, not give away but we were running a the uh what was it the thing we ran on the what what did we do with that robot? Oh my god, I can't get oh, the Houdini one. Yeah, what oh, I, oh, I I couldn't get mine t together. We were running a contest for the. Yeah, uh, con the oh, I, I, I couldn't get the word contest. God, I, I couldn't even finish mine. It was so hard. <laughs> Chuck finished his though. Yeah, but Chuck did it wrong. It was you know what? I actually improved on that because I I actually got a photograph of the two originals somebody built so that you can see where the parts go. That's the only problem with that. But this guy in Robot Hut actually has an original newspaper from 1912. So the point is that he doesn't have the plans I'm talking about. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, I asked you that because in reality, I was thinking last night and I'm like, I wonder what are the avenues are available for me? Because I mean, I put it on the podcast. I put it on Universal Monster Army for years. Over 20 years has been there. I keep reposting it. I've put it on eBay. I've had people say to me they bought it when they were young. In fact, I had a guy who I was using the same artwork and he wanted a refund when I sent him the other ones because he goes, this and other ones, I had them as a kid. So instead of this bubblehead uh, waiting out and I would have given them for free and give him the refund if he would have called me some information, uh, he kind of pissed me off the way he responded, so I lost contact with him. But um, I, Yeah, I mean, there's tons of different ways out there i just don't know how we go about you know getting it especially like on the news or something but you know we'll have to discuss that that next time or even on the forum because we're down to the last uh, couple seconds here so i'm going to wrap it up i want to thank everybody out there in podcast land for joining us once again we are here every week for you guys a new episode drops every thursday night so find us on your favorite podcast platform subscribe to our our podcast. Wednesday night, Joe. Wednesday nights. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday nights going into into Thursday morning. Um, we're we're out. Find us on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to us. Uh, give us a good review if you so choose. And also make sure you check us out on YouTube, House of the Unusual. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like the videos. Comment if you need to. And you can always find us on houseoftheunusual.com. 
So, Eddie, that's all we got for today. So thank you for stopping out and great conversation on some collecting and mail order. And hopefully next week our good friends Chuck and Sherry will be able to join us too. And who knows uh, who else will be stopping by at that time. So until then, good night. Good night. God bless. Take care. Bye.